Dead Source, your home for anti-anti-fascism. My name's Nathan, your most ideological host. My name's Andy, your most anti-authoritarian host. And I'm Pat, your pro-host? Wait, no, don't put that in the episode. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, how was your guys' weeks? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Uh, good, good, I guess? Everything's fine? Nobody died this week, so Yay. fingers crossed. Let's see if we can make it two in a row. Nice. That's pretty awesome. I'll take that. Um, oh, I think... I think I talked about this at the beginning of last year, how I uh, sort of love gardening, and we're sort of, like, starting to get into it. Uh, Sarah has been buying – she likes to buy plants. She, like, <laughs> buys plants the, some, the same way people play the slots at the casino. <laughs> you know, like, That's she, aggressive. Yeah, she really she really likes to buy plants, and she'll do it throughout the season, and I think it's great. So uh, note one to thing, self, get her gift cards to plant places. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Okay. But one thing that I am trying to do this year is because what we always end up doing is we buy established plants once we're a little bit further in the season. And what I've been wanting to do for years is start plants from seed. And I tried it in March and uh, just boned it up real hard. I don't know what I did wrong, but I planted... Like 50 or 60 seeds, uh, like tomato plants, cherry tomatoes, bigger tomatoes, a couple different types of basil, some flowers and stuff like that, and managed to kill them all. I don't know if I gave them too much water or not enough water. I don't know if I – I'm pretty sure I used – instead of potting soil, I might have used like fertilizer or something. Like it was – it just messed something up. So I tried again. I started maybe a week and a half ago, and uh, I have little – little tiny seedlings like popping up so i'm pretty happy about it so the flowers everywhere tons of them the basil has been coming up the cherry tomatoes started coming up but what i'm really excited about and like i feel like such a nerd talking about it but i love it is the big tomatoes finally started like Mm. i planted like 20 of them and like three or four of them started just barely popping up today so like i i'm i'm confident that they will continue popping up so that's like I have I, I just wanted one week where I can share some positive news. I just feel like I've been such a bummer the last <laughs> like six episodes or whatever. Rough. Yeah. Well, the trick with seeds is you got to get them started. So one of the things you can do is get like a moist paper towel and mm-hmm. like an old Altoids tin or or the equivalent. I don't know if you have like an an antique Altoids tin from the 90s or anything, <laughs> right. but I'm sure um, I can find something with a lid. You say an Antifa Altoids tin? No, antique. Oh. And you, you wet the paper towel and you put the seeds in the paper towel, and then you put the the whole thing in the Altoids tin and put it in your pocket. Your body heat will, like, get the process started. That's interesting. Yeah. And then once they've sprouted like that, then you get them into the ground. Nice. Yeah, I think... Well, I, I have, like, a tray that I'm using with, uh, I haven't counted, like, I don't know, t- 12 rows of, like, eight things per row. And uh, just, like, it's a place to start them out for the first, like, six to eight weeks until they get a little healthier. And then you're supposed to, like, expand them and then maybe put them outside. So we'll see. But, like, it snowed. It is – so we are recording this on May 11th, 
And it snowed yesterday. Sure did. Like, what? Yeah, that was some bullshit. So, yeah, like, I'm glad rough. I haven't moved really anything outside yet. Right. Not a fan. It's rough. I mean, I almost think, like, the seasons are getting, like, further and further off or something. I'll have to talk to a scientist about it or something. It's, but... it's almost like the climate is changing. Well, the seasons get later and later. You think of how long it takes to get warm and then also, like, the Indian summer. Like, how, right. how late <laughs> it stays warm. Well, I know all our tummies are looking forward to the ground getting up to 64 degrees. Mmm. Something to look that, forward to. Some crunchy those, treats. Those good, good cicada munchies. Mm. I know Andy is particularly looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm just pretending I don't know you. Are you an adventurous eater, Andy? <laughs> Doing a podcast with a stranger. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, I had a pretty good week. I got to hang out with both my father for a belated birthday And with my mother for Mother's Day and get to actually, like, hug them. And that was nice. Awesome. It feels weird, though, doesn't it? It does. It feels, like, I don't want to say dirty, but, like... (laughs) (laughs) Cheating. But, like, it feels, you know, against the rules. It feels taboo. That's the word I want. I was... um, That's barely the word I want. There's not really a, a word doesn't make it start to sound sexual, is there? Well, nothing wrong with that. Well, you didn't have to go there, but taboo It, it feels fine. like it's breaking the rules. It feels like I'm not. I'm still not supposed to hug people. Yeah. Um, which I, I, I'm fully vaccinated. I can. We, we got invited Thank to you. a very nice Mother's Day brunch. Uh, my stepson Alex invited us over and made bacon and french toast and like Mm. quiche and just like a bunch like it was great it was fantastic um but the other thing he did was uh his fiance invited her parents over too and so it was the first time i've hung out with like people that i'm not i we've met them before but we're not super familiar and it's the first time i've hung out with new people in a year (laughs) and it was crazy we were all in their fairly small apartment, and no, nobody had masks on, and I kept on, like, reaching for my face because it felt weird, and then, like, convincing myself, oh, yeah, I don't have to do that. In the Patreon episode that we just released, we talk about how weird COVID is here, like, a year plus on, mm-hmm. um, and that's one of the things, like, getting used to the new normal, what that looks like from here on out. Yeah, I, I've been a part of, like, a couple of things during throughout the quarantine on a couple of occasions where people have gone through the um, the hoops of testing and, and quarantining over a two-week period in order to attend a social event, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, we did that for my mom's birthday in February. But, like... We all got tested multiple times and and stayed quarantined for in between testing and, you know, for for a two-week period. We all sacrificed to do that. Hmm. Anyway. I'm a little late with the the vaccine. I've got my first one and not my second one yet. So my, my sister is up to visit my mom. I'll be able to see them, but I won't be able to be, like, you know, up close and in their face. Um, right. so we're probably going to do like an outdoor thing 
where like I can see them from across the table and be like hi, but you know, mm. not really like breathing on each other. And like that's mostly I guess for me at this point because they're all vaccinated. I've got the first one. Um, right. But you know, I mean, we've been this far. It's it's the it's the home stretch basically. I've got a couple of weeks until I'm fully vaxxed, so it's right. kind of you know. And and what does every coach teach every athlete? You do at the end of a race or, or the end is you sprint. Sprint to the end. Right. They all say you 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 really punch it at the end. Yeah. You 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 give it all you got at the end. So I you know. That's not what I've heard. I've always heard what you want to do is race as hard as you can up until the end and like maybe take it easy. Like not <laughs> not be as stressful and like careful as you have been in the past. My, my coach mostly told me to walk it off. I don't know what you guys got taught. I always feel like when we mention your sister, we need to say Katie, friend of the pod. Katie, friend of the pod. True. So, yeah, I mean, I'll be able to see them pretty soon. I'll be able to see my nephews who are getting big now. So Awesome. That'll be exciting just to see family again. That's mostly my, my week is, like, looking forward to being able to see family soon. So... Nice. Right on. Yeah, it's 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 coming, man. It's we're we're going back. We're, we're getting at. back to And here's the thing. I mean, how I don't actually even know. I stopped I stopped paying like daily attention to the death toll, but um in the US it it had I've, gone way down. Man, I have to say I was editing the Patreon episode. Uh, this is the second time I mentioned it, and I just want to bring it up to people listening. So we released an episode for now exclusively on Patreon for our patron. I guess Andy also counts because <laughs> he's literally just wasting money by uh, also being a patron. How are you enjoying those Patreon um, benefits, Andy? <laughs> oh, man. I, listened, I did not listen to the episode yet, actually. <laughs> well, so there's a couple of things about the episode. First of all, we leave in all the bleeps and blurps. You get to hear us swear. As opposed to the Ooh. beeping that we do currently. Uh, and secondly, for Tim, uh, the current patron that we sort of joke about sometimes, but we definitely do appreciate it. He gets to listen to it a month before everybody else. Woo. So everybody's going to listen to it eventually. But It'll be basically out of date. The patrons get to listen to it a month ahead of time and get to listen to all the swear words. And I think I'm going to start editing the podcast without like bleeping stuff out first and then we'll upload the uh raw uncensored too hot for tv versions <laughs> to patreon so people can listen to uh the dirty words and then we'll go ahead and censor the the episodes that we put out for everybody else so i think for what it's worth i think tim is such a, a particularly appropriate first um first ever patron because if you if Maybe I'm wrong about this, so correct me, but in Monty Python, the Holy Grail, they come across an, en an enchanter at one point, and his name is Tim, Tim the Enchanter. <laughs> Some call me Does that sound Tim? right? Yeah. What manner of man are you that can summon up fire without flint or tinder? I am an enchanter. By what name are you known? There are some who call me... Tim? Greetings, Tim the Enchanter. Yeah, is that sound yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. So, you know, just for... He's the first 
sorcerer. You you know his and profile. It, it feels appropriate. His profile on Twitter is the Monty Python uh, the ass trumpet. <laughs> uh, nice. Uh, anyway, this is unfortunately not a full-length episode about Tim. True. Oh, wait, um, I do want to talk about one more issue, because it's not going to fit comfortably into mm. Precious Moments, and maybe it doesn't fit here, but I do want to discuss it, and that is Andy's complete inability to judge the amount of time it will take him to do a thing. <laughs> and uh, I would just like... because. Uh, we've had a couple episodes now where, for example, our origin stories episode, uh, there's an honorable mention part of the episode where we give two sentences, uh, like maybe, what, like 30 seconds on an origin myth that was like gross or funny or interesting in some way. And Andy, when I was editing it, I edited down a lot, but... When I was editing it, I think your honorable mention took somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 minutes. Nice. And you thought you were being... I'm a, You thought at first you were only including the important things. The other thing is uh, the last episode that everybody listened to about 100 Days of Jibiden, which I haven't actually named yet, so we'll see where that goes. That was supposed to be a mini. That was supposed to be like 20 minutes, half an hour. I mean, to and be fair, we that... we recorded for over two hours. We, we like, contributed and, to that, Nathan. Like, we were part of that. I absolutely think... I think 10... If that episode was supposed to be 30 minutes and it had gone to 40 minutes, that's on Nathan. I think I will take 10 minutes of blame for that episode. But, Andy, is there anything you want to discuss about uh, the length of that episode... Or the honorable mention, or just in, in general? Well, in case you were wondering, I mean, <laughs> I like, I get chatty. That's why I am I have a podcast. Right, <laughs> right. What, the, what <laughs> right. do you want from me? Like, I'm here to talk, and, and sure, the sure. point, the reason we're here is because we, we just start talking about things. That's what happened with the Joe Biden, if, if we had, if I had just kind of like, read off my block that I had prepared to read off uh-huh. and then we discussed it and then I read the next one and then we discussed it mm-hmm. like it, I mean it probably would have been 40 45 minutes but we we chose to go dig deep into tangents um, and, we and we sure and that's what we well, do. I will, I will yes, and and, and, and like I, all three of us, I I am. I will I will say I am per- very susceptible to it. I, I'm aware. Andy and I like to talk a lot. I would say Pat likes to listen a lot, and he <laughs> definitely jumps into the conversation often. It's it's funny because when I'm looking at the audio of we each one of us records the way I edit the podcast, each one of us records a distinct audio track. Right. And so you can see exactly how much each person is talking. And so every week there's like my line and I have like a ton of audio all the way through. And there's Andy's line and there's a ton of audio all the way through. And like those two, like which one talks more, like depends on the episode. And then we get to Pat's line and there's definitely some audio in there. But like it's it's more like blips and blops. Like I don't think you notice it like when you're actually right, listening. I, I am trying. So I try and get an edgewise. I think on the Joe Biden episode, I have about <laughs> 20 minutes. Like honestly, I think I have about 20 minutes. 
out of the two-hour episode. Like, <laughs> I so do you, do you think we need to get you like an air horn so that way whenever Andy and I hear the air horn go off, we have to stop talking and let you. Jump I mean, in? I try, but like, okay, so with with Joe Biden, and now we're we're on a tangent about Joe Biden, but. Um, yeah, I'm all about when, it. When we, when <laughs> which and and I've been silent for most of this, so just no, to, you haven't. Yeah, we'll see what the audio <laughs> recording says at the end. When, when Andy reads a paragraph a and check. has a statement, and Nathan has to rebut it, and then I have to choose between. All right, well, we were supposed to do a half an hour episode, and it's an hour and a half in, <laughs> and I want to say something to rebut Nathan, but. We gotta go, like we gotta move. <laughs> I, I started saying speedrun, but also kind yeah. of a dirty trick, Nathan, to wait until the microphones are on to spring this on Andy because we could have talked about this <laughs> any time, literally sure. any time mm-hmm. before we started recording. I'm not, I'm not well, embarrassed or anything. I, oh no, I I'm, don't think it's, I don't think it's like, a thing to be embarrassed about at all. I, if it, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> I just like that we turned like a potentially like. 30 minute, which granted you were planning on like extending out to 45 minutes into like two plus hours. <laughs> which there was, we never in the first place should have thought it was going to be anything under an hour, <laughs> hour and a half. But I think it's beautiful. I have no problems with it. I think it's great. No. Um, to move us right along Absolutely. into today's episode. <laughs> because we're now a solid 15 minutes into this. So, wait, Pat, uh, Andy, can I ask, do you have any, like, uh, direct attacks against Pat that you want to extend this first segment with? No. I never do anything wrong. How, why would he have personal attacks that is, against me? I, here's the thing. <laughs> that is not entirely inaccurate because, like, when I'm editing, I almost never have to, like, touch your audio. It's almost always, like, pristine. I know your cat likes to take a dump in the background every once in a oh, while. Oh, yeah, I stuff, can't really but, do much about that. Right. No. But but I, I breathe heavy, and I'm pretty sure you can hear me sweating on the audio. But anyway, today we were talking about the topic that everybody wants three white guys to tackle – Antifa. Yeah, like what the heck is that? What is that thing? I do have I do have an opening statement that I wrote into our little document here. Oh, um, excellent. Because because it's a callback to a lengthy Discord conversation that me and Nathan had. Oh yes. Uh, during which should we get like a fanfare before you read this? During story? which fun fun story. I actually got a a blood pressure headache because I was so angry at Nathan. Over his position on this topic. So I th- I'm hoping we can have, like, a more civil discussion this time. I can keep my emotions in check. Om. Om. I felt like I was perfectly civil. Right. No, I you did fine. I got very heated over this Discord conversation. So here's, mm-hmm. here's the opening statement. We can put the fanfare in right here. So, Nathan, you and I have had this discussion at length before. And it's centered around my wording of calling an individual an Antifa member, which you took some difference with. Our purpose today, Mm -hmm. we want to lay out that position and mine and ask the question, what is Antifa, wherever the facts lead us? I totally agree. So I think I'm proud of you coming into an episode knowing full well that you're wrong from the outset <laughs> and being willing to engage. I think that's great. Right. Right. 
when we when, I mean it sounds like a joke when you say that but we've been down this road a few times <laughs> so <laughs> no I I like I like that you wrote that opening and yes I think we can there's there's a few things we want to tag so first of all I want to talk about what fascism is sure. uh, when Antifa started and sort of like the the origins of it why we're talking about it now, like sort of how, why it's flared up again. And the main thing is the discussion that you and I have had in general has never been about like, is it good or bad or anything like that? It's more about this, <laughs> this thing that a lot of conservatives have latched onto, but it's not an exclusively like conservative thought. This idea of, is it a group or is it an ideology? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that comes up a lot and you see the same thing when people are talking about BLM in, in a lot of these ideologies organizations like whatever they are whatever they are whatever you want to call them so yeah i think that's sure. what we're talking about today and uh hopefully you know we'll air out some of this stuff and like talk about some stuff around it and i can if you want just jump into some of the history sure so so i've seen a definition of fascism that said that it is a ultra-nationalism that is fueled by ethnic mm-hmm. nationalism. It's, it's fueled by an ethnic identity. And it's also, in its rhetoric, hearkening back to a time when the country was supposedly better. Right. And, when a country was great, for example. Yeah, like when a country was great. And fascism is a funny word, like it didn't necessarily exist before was, world war ii it was mussolini it was this word who that, like so like what we think of as modern day fascism that's mussolini who got that started i'm not saying that it didn't exist in any right. and and hitler more like copied him right yes absolutely i think you hit on like a bunch of major points but there's i have a little list that i wanted to go down real quick that sort of what fascism normally includes and just so we can like be on the same page so Fascism sure. is trying to unify countries under a single genetic banner, usually using either racial or cultural purity to weed out weakness. And I use that weakness in a in quotes. What what's what the mm-hmm. leaders determined to be, what the fascists determined to be weakness. It requires absolute loyalty to a charismatic leader. Normally that leader, almost exclusively that leader, is either a dictator or certainly wants to be. Uh, it values strength over equality. It values exceptionalism over fairness. And again, I'm using exceptionalism in quotes. Uh, it often boosts successful private business over government programs, so long as those businesses promote the national interest but really it just whatever the charismatic dictator wants. So this allows for the government to control these private businesses, but still give this false impression of private ownership. It involves normally establishing a common enemy, normally a different racial group. It has complete control over the press and harsh criticism or even violent disruption of any press that differs from the official take from the government. It pushes policies that help the country first before other countries. The country attempts to be as self-sufficient as possible and pushes for a powerful military that's solely loyal to the dictator. And they remove weak people from the country and its leadership 
and uses uh, militant, unaccountable police forces to enforce conformity through violence. So does that sound familiar to anybody? Nazi Germany? Yep. I mean, also, yeah, many other examples. (laughs) Yes. Nothing that we've seen recently, obviously. Pol Pot, Stalin, uh, well, Stalin, kind of. Um, I I think um, you're... I think you're Stalin from saying Trump. If you want to make the point that Trump is a fascist, like, okay. I feel like that's not really the focus of the episode, but sure. Well, but it it will... I think think Trump wanted to be a fascist. Right, and we're going to revisit that. I swear to God that that is relevant to what we're talking about. But So when does Antifa pop up? The answer is there was Antifa... During the Mussolini regime, there was Antifa during the Hitler regime. There are pictures, photos you can see of protests in Nazi Germany of people holding up uh, flags with swastikas on it with three lines across them, I believe, of arrows that that are saying, like, no, no to this. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know that there were active protests in Germany. That seems super dangerous. <laughs> like, that seems really dangerous for people to get out and like speak against nazis but well that's kind of the point right well but so let's talk about antifa in terms of when it sort of becomes what it becomes because after world war ii there are a number of groups that try and start up to honor hitler's legacy Mm -hmm. there are a a number of groups that start up and start having demonstrations in the street to talk about the inferiority of Jews and Jews and and other groups who had similar views to people who hated Nazis would show up to these demonstrations and beat the shit out of the Nazis. Like they would show up and because a big part of what Antifa does as an ideology, it believes in direct action. It doesn't believe the government can get it done. It doesn't believe that the police have your best interests at heart or that they're going to work on your behalf. It believes that you have to be the one to get done what you want to see happen. Well, this might be a nitpick, and so, but like where? When, when you're yeah. talking about these um, anti-Semitic groups popping up, you're not just talking about in post-World War II Germany or in Italy. It was We're talking about in, in the United in Europe, States. Not necessarily at this time, though. And I don't want to seem like I am an expert on this stuff. I This is a week's worth of research that I've done on this. Mm-hmm. The groups that I'm talking about, the earliest groups that I was able to find, it's not just Germany, but it is a lot of Eastern Europe and Europe in general oh, wait, wait, where wait, these wait. groups are popping Hold up. Hold on. Can we clip that? What was what was that word that you used? Groups? Ah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> groups of groups of people. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. We can proceed. So the – yeah, there's, there's a difference between a group of people that believes in an ideology and claiming that an ideology is a group. But we'll get into that. Yeah, we will. We will. You you can tr- you can try. Well, does a membership card define a group? You can try your gotcha questions all you want, sir. <laughs> no, but so groups of people sure. who like believed in anti-fascism would show up, and I think the the most important thing here is they believe in direct action. They do not believe in trusting the government or any government entity i.e. the police, because police were used under fascism to quell any sort of 
protests or marches or any sort of resistance to the status quo, and so they don't trust police. And just in, so like I would make you you mean sort of like if if like let's say that there was maybe a peaceful protest going on outside of like a a national symbol a, like for example maybe a church sure sure and and let's say that the whatever leader of the country maybe they oppressive use of police force let's say they used a police force to just clear this peaceful protest away just I don't know, like take a picture or something. Right, like a hypothetical. Yeah, I, I, I follow you so far. That sounds pretty fascist. That's that sounds awful. I, so, I would be pretty upset if 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 that were to happen. So, but this is this is the part where I would make a particularly bad. Uh, like I don't believe in Antifa because of this tenet of the ideology, and as part of that direct action, they believe that violence can be used as a tactic. It's certainly not the only tactic. And it's not even one that is used commonly, but it is acceptable. And that's not like as a pacifist, I like I can't I can't get behind that. I might be able to understand it. Right. I I have a quote but, that's from a a modern author. This is Mark Bray from Antifa, the Antifascist Handbook. But this quote was yes. kind of illuminating. The job of the antifascist is to make fascists too afraid to act publicly and to act as volunteer targets for their hate and attacks, which might keep them from thinking about burning down the mosque in their neighborhood. So so the idea behind anti-fascism, the idea behind punch a Nazi, which is maybe an unrelated idea that we might we might integrate later. No, I think it's yeah, I think it's certainly related. Absolutely it's related. The idea is that you don't give a public space to fascism in order to allow it to grow and seek membership that you disrupt the meetings that you interrupt people's free speech that you just you know you use this direct action to prevent the kind of uprising that we saw in germany the kind of uprising that we saw in italy and that arguably you know we've seen elements of in the united states Oh yeah, we I mean we saw it we saw it directly on January 6th. Right. And in Brazil and in I mean India and in China mm-hmm. and in Russia and in I mean come on. This list is very yeah, long. It's a long list of but like a lot of those countries you mentioned are fascist countries too. Right. Well, and that's the thing is, I mean, we talk about, a lot of times people in America think of think about fascism as like Nazi Germany and this thing from like the 40, the 30s. And it's very much a prevalent thing today. It's just that we live in this America bubble. Right. And we absolutely did. Like when we were talking about and I can't remember whether this was it was either in the lightning round episode or the Patreon episode that you should all go Subscribe to our Patreon so you can listen to right now. Um, but yes. I was, we were talking about COVID, and, and this must have been in the Patreon episode. And I was like talking about how good it is that like our numbers have come down, without like really looking at it on a global scale. Like we we absolutely mentioned how terrible things are in India right now. Mm-hmm. But for me to like 
in retrospect, I'm kind of ashamed of like feeling good about things going well in America when things are going awful in India mm-hmm. and third world countries where like virtually no one is vaccinated right now. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I just like I absolutely when when I talk about Antifa and like this whole episode, I am absolutely talking about this from an America bubble. Because, like, especially over the last year or so, my bubble has not only been America or Ohio or Cleveland, it's been my house. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So so I am going to admit ignorance on a lot of that stuff and how it affects other countries right off the bat. Because that's – I just don't know about it. And I am absolutely interested in learning about it, and we can revisit this in the future. But for right now, this is the reason why I referenced – Trump earlier because you have seen a rise in people who believe in Antifa in this country and who reference it. And I think one thing that's interesting about looking up the history of this, uh, Pat, you mentioned Mark Bray. Mm -hmm. He is one of the only people who has released a book in English about the history of the anti-fascist movement. Right. It's like one of the only sources you can find. And so when you go in and you look up the history of Antifa, you're going to see a million different interviews with Mark Bray. (laughs) And he seems good. He's a historian. The book you referenced is excellent, but he also wrote it on a pretty short timeline. So there are definitely aspects of it that we don't necessarily know about because I haven't learned German yet. Well, the uh, the other person that you'll see writing about this extensively is Andy No, mm-hmm. but I know you're yes. not that big of a fan of Andy No. Y- yeah, no. <laughs> uh, and Fair enough. well, and Andy No. Hey, uh, be careful. Um, but to bring us all together for a second, like I think that we can all pretty much agree that you know the rise of fascism. None of the three of us are supporting. Like we're all against right but where i think we do draw lines is that what are you willing to do in order to have a not fascist country and yeah exactly for for me i mean i have to agree with nathan here like i'm not in the streets protesting i'm not encouraging people to go punch a nazi in the face i believe in free speech in this country I think if we can have organizations like the KKK and you can't be prosecuted for being in the KKK, membership in the KKK does not make you a criminal in of itself. Right. Like we, we don't have – It might make you an asshole, but it doesn't make you a criminal. Right. We, we don't have guilt of association. You're, you're not committing an offense by your status of being a member of a group. I think that we can have members of Antifa, but I think we can also have – neo-nazis like i'm i don't encourage neo-nazis but i think that those people can have their free speech without being punched in the street well it's it's that line again your free speech ends at the tip of my nose right mini fact check i swear i'm getting some serious deja vu vibes here but the earliest version of this quote comes from john b finch in 1882 quote Yes, but your right to swing your arm leaves off where my right not to have my nose struck begins. It's also often credited to Oliver Wendell Holmes, 
Let's just make this short and sweet. The quote investigator link will be in the doobly-doo. Research to your heart's content. Mini fact check. Right, and so this is a radical ideology in opposition of that. In in that it's such a dangerous virus, it's such a dangerous disease of fascism taking hold in our country that all of that free speech stuff, like, you know, that's fine, the government's not going to prosecute you for your free speech, but other individuals can punch you in the face. Like, we're going to violate the, Mm -hmm. the normal laws of assault in order to keep you well from spreading this infection at at no point in in any of this do the anti the anti-fascists say they should not be punished for assaulting someone mm. they just think you should do it right. but right it's it's like in 24 when like Jack Bauer ends up torturing the guy who knows where the nuclear bomb is. Like, <laughs> Jack Bauer needs to go to jail after he does it, but maybe it's not a bad idea for him to torture that guy. Uh, hopefully the guy doesn't <laughs> lie to him because torture doesn't work. But, you know, right. if you have the option to go and punch somebody in the face or torture the nuclear <laughs> nuclear bomb guy, but... You're going to have consequences for it. That's what the whole, like, that's what we've been talking about over and over and over again with the cancel culture episode and stuff like that. You can make choices, but choices have consequences. Well, when you say, when you say we can, yeah. I mean, we do have laws against it. Like, you, it's not like we're endorsing, right. like, right. you can. Those are the consequences. Absolutely. But, you see, we have, the the laws are there to, I guess, punish, uh, for lack of a better word, when you break the laws. The laws are, are there to discourage you from doing those things by attaching a fine or a jail sentence, some, some form of they, you know, they take away some of your freedom, some of your liberty um, as a punishment for doing that act despite being told not to. Except for like harm to people, it's kind of like you, you do the crime Wow, I just got derailed. Um, <laughs> so, so I think I know where you're going with this, though. Like, like the idea is, is it's the penal system and our justice system is not really set up as a so much as like a deter people from doing things as just a, attaching this additional cost to certain actions. And if you're willing to spend that time in jail or pay enough money to get a lawyer to get you off or whatever the case may be, get you off from the conviction, not, you know. And we all knew what you're talking about. I, if I'm paying a lawyer um, that kind of money, I also expect a hand job. I have, I have no idea, <laughs> um, but, but I, I, anyway, I, I don't know. I, I just kind of, I feel like, um, when it comes to, breaking uh, when you when it comes to it's it's a civil disobedience thing right okay. kind of that thoreau sort of thing he, <laughs> you know when thoreau ran around punching people in the face <laughs> well he was a pacifist he was also a not like super great guy but he talked about how he didn't want to pay taxes to a government that okayed slavery yep. which well, and was in a war of aggression with Mexico. Henry David Thoreau, also famous Unitarian. Nice. 
We have so few famous people. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I re- I relate a lot to him. He was such a crabby soul, sure. but I relate to him. Um, anyway, so you know, he the the point was he he happily went to jail and served the full sentence. That's, in, that's the thing. Like some in order to not pay the some taxes. Some laws are worth breaking and facing consequences for. I mean, again, you mentioned it before, but that's civil disobedience. Now. Normally, when I think of civil disobedience, it's like trespassing and like sitting down, right? <laughs> like it's not punching, going limp, Nazis in the right, face, going right. Well, so I think generally not that. I think we are butting up against the elephant in the room, and the elephant in the room is that I am convinced that the leadership being independent and scattered that there are small mm-hmm. pockets of antifa with no central organization is a, a a form of a cloak that people are hiding behind in order to justify violence and get away with violence and not be identified with violence so so if, i think if, that's go ahead that like what the statement you just made i think is Fine. Well, but before we before we jump into that real quick, the last point I wanted to make is the Trump administration during the campaign released the Muslim ban. Mm-hmm. And that, along with many, many other things he said, let people know that, oh, this is a fascist candidate. And this is why you're seeing a resurgence of this Antifa ideology in the United States because the Republican Party has decided that they are going to be the party of fascism and have been for the last mm-hmm. several years. And so I just I just wanted to bring that out like that. That was like the last point of what I was trying to say. I think what you were saying, Pat, is totally reasonable. You could go ahead and say that people are trying to use Antifa and pretending it's a group as a smokescreen to be able to protect them against consequences for violence. I think that's that statement that you just made, that's fine. And I don't think, I hope I haven't made any judgment uh, call on whether Antifa is a good or a bad thing. I think if, I don't want to be a coward about this, I think I agree with virtually everything they stand for, except the violence part, and that's just who I am. I've been pacifist for as long as i can remember now well we might want to decide whether antifa is a good or a bad thing before the end of this episode but i mean that's (laughs) neither here nor there right but what what you said did in no way so the beef that you and i have traditionally had Mm -hmm. or like have had since we started having this conversation is is antifa an ideology or is it a group right and it's an ideology there are certainly clubs column or groups or organizations or whatever that like to call themselves Antifa. But you calling yourself a duck doesn't make you a duck. You know, it doesn't change the nature of what a duck is just because you've called yourself a duck. Right. Well, so I'm, I'm going to make an anti-com, a, a, not a group, but an ideology of anti-communism and what we're doing okay. is we're going to promote direct action against any far left activity. Any far left activity that we see, we're going to punch those people in the face. 
Sure. Any anywhere that it springs up. So in in your hometown, in Portland, in any liberal city, wherever we find it, we're going to punch those people in the face. Have mm-hmm. I created a group? Well, it depends on like when you when you say if I spread that i if I spread that ideology and I get other people recruited into it and I organize with them online and say, okay, guys, you know this is where we want to meet up and we're going to meet up at 3 p.m. and bring your uh, black clothing and bring your riot gear, your helmets, your gas mask, and your bulletproof vests. Mm-hmm. Have I created a group? Or, it seems or like have it, I started you an the ideology? One, you were the one who in, invented your list of goals, and then you went out and pushed those goals and developed a base of leadership and... Yeah, I think what you did was you created a group there. So so my beef with with this whole like Antifa being a ghost thing, like where it's not an organization, it's not a group, it's a it's just a bunch of people who independently decided that they were anti-fascist with no sure. central organization, uh nobody that you can sue. Mm-hmm. But they're still out here I mean, you can sue any individual you want. But they're still recruiting, they're still organizing they're still they have facebook pages they have places that you can donate money to i mean i i think that this has all the trappings of a group you know there's a saying if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck i'm gonna call it a duck right and to me antifa (laughs) is a group is the duck sure but here's the thing What's their campaign headquarters? And, who who would I get and in? Walking like a duck is making organizing rallies. Right. How and and talking like a duck. So so if you want to call it something else, if you want to call Antifa an, ad, I'm sorry, an ideology, I'm sorry, and that it's not a group of people, then like fine. But I'm going to continue to use the <laughs> language in the way that I see fit, rather I, than in the way that you see fit. If I see fit to call someone an Antifa member. I'm going to continue to do that. But you'd just be wrong, though. I mean, you can okay. you can say whatever you want. You are an American, so you get to be wrong about whatever issue you want to be wrong about, and you have free speech, and you get to go out and say wrong things about whatever you want. But you believing a thing doesn't make it accurate. Here's the conversation we've had over and over again. Here, Here's my problem. Antifa is an awesome scapegoat for conservatives right now because it doesn't exist. So because it doesn't exist when they go out and say Antifa is a terrorist organization, there's literally nobody to say anything different to them because it doesn't exist. It'd be the same thing as saying anarchy burned down that building. Really? How the f*** did anarchy burn down anything? Rose City Antifa? may beg to differ about not existing, but sure. Absolutely, but again, calling yourself a thing doesn't make you that thing. They are certainly lowercase... But but doing those things makes you that thing, and that's what they do. So it sounds like a freaking duck to me. Sure, except for you calling yourself a duck and going around and eating bread doesn't mean that all ducks wear jeans. Hey, go ahead and tell us about the Jedi, because I know you're dying what? to tell us about the Jedi. So can you just <laughs> go ahead and, and pull out the Jedi? You're trying to make my argument at different times than I would have made it, but yes, 
There are a bunch of different Jedi organizations out there that you can find on Facebook or wherever. And just because you call yourself a Jedi doesn't make you a Jedi. No, but if you believe in the tenets of the Jedi Order, that's that pretty much makes you a Jedi. And there are, I mean, <laughs> not to espouse Star Wars canon as real life, uh-huh. but, you know... Plenty of non-force sensitive beings in the universe. So, sure, like, but they're not. You can't. They can, You can't be a Jedi. I mean, they're not. You Jedi. can't be a Jedi without being force sensitive. But, but they can be. Um, if you if you want to go down this dumb road, I can go down it too. You are not a Jedi yet. They can be affiliated with the I, Jedi. I, like I, I'm I don't saying want to that pursue they. This one very far. I do want to talk about the media perception of Antifa because I think that's incredibly important. We're not done yet, though, because okay, well then, go ahead, then. the whole point is you calling yourself a thing doesn't change the nature of that thing. Anyone who wants to can call themselves Antifa. And if they claim to be Antifa, I will probably respect that and call them Antifa if they wanted to. So Rose City Antifa, I know we, we were able to find, like, Cleveland Antifa, which hasn't been – like, it hasn't been around for, I think, seven years yeah, now their, or something like that. Yeah, their Twitter's been – inactive for seven years right yeah but the thing is just because they called themselves a thing doesn't make that accurate it doesn't it doesn't change the nature of the ideology of antifa and again if you can tell me how anarchy could burn down a building or anarchy could do this that or the other thing we're we're talking about ideologies here so we're talking about like conservatism or environmentalism or anarchy or any number of these things. And I think if you replaced how Antifa is used in like common conversation, especially when it's scapegoated by conservatives and you replace the word Antifa with anarchy, you immediately see how dumb it is because it doesn't make any sense. People can certainly call themselves Antifa and they can espouse those ideals, but that doesn't make it an organization. Okay, but who who is disseminating the information on the Jedi text? Who is organizing the groups and recruiting people huh. to the the Cleveland Jedi and saying like, "Okay guys, we're all going to meet up at a certain time at the airport dressed like Jedi." Like to to say <laughs> that these are not an organization, I think it is a decentralized organization because I don't think that there is a national council that is uh, hierarchical, that is telling all of the lesser organizations of the Jedi or of Antifa what it is that they have to do. But just because independent cells crop up with their own particular leadership doesn't make it not an organization. Would that mean that Al-Qaeda is not an organization? Does that mean that Hamas is not an organization? Because they have decentralized leadership. Right, but Al-Qaeda and Hamas have had their specific groups with specific goals, with specific leadership, who have committed acts. It's not remotely the same thing. But, Nathan, you're – all right, so you – if it – there's an – there is an ideology and there are adherents to the ideology. The ideology, anti-fascism or fascism, can't burn down a building or invade Poland. But – the adherence to anti-fascists or fascists do those things. So if there are groups of people who are anti-fascists, 
that is an anti-fascist group. Still, and that I mean, is a group I don't know. of like Antifa. You can, you can say it's lowercase anti-fascist group. You can say it's lowercase Antifa. It is a group of Antifa, in the same way that a group of in, in the exact same way that a neo-Nazi group is a group of fascists. How do those group of people change the ideology? Because they have called themselves the thing and taken action. How does that how does that group affect the organization as a whole or the ideology as a whole? They literally can't. So what are you they talking don't need about? To change the ideology. They do. What is that? Where's that organization? What is an organization needs to be, be able to be affected by its groups? It's not. So so if okay, let's let's start over. Like if I'm going to start a new group tomorrow. And we're going to be called the neo-Nazis, but we're going to include any ethnicity, any religion. You can be black, white, Jew, any any ethnicity that you are or any religion that you are. And we're just going to have barbecues. Sure. I mean, you, but you're starting out as a group from the very beginning. You, you have started out with a group of leadership. You decided how you're going to collect uh, how you're going to collect new members. You decided what sort of actions you're going to take. You decided about on events and things like that. You are starting out so as a group. Have I, so have I changed what n- what neo-Nazism is? I don't think you can, no. Okay. So how, how would you? Why is that a thing? I've never heard that. What? Uh, Why is what a thing? Changing the what the ideology means? Where is that? Where does that come from? A group from? needs to be able to change. An ideology doesn't. What, why does a group need to change the ideology? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is... That you said it like three no, times. Again, not what I've said. I, I will explain it to you if you'd like. Uh, Please. Individual I, individual groups can change an organization. So if I'm part of Grand Rapids NRA, I can go to a national NRA me- meeting and I can vote and I can make changes. I can introduce new rules. I can run for leadership. I can do any number of things that change the nature of national NRA. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a if I if I'm a member of Grand Rapids Antifa, where the fuck do you suggest I go to change the nature of Antifa? What should I do? Well, I think you have this like you're just talking about top down type organizations, but like there's a whole other type of organization that's built bottom up that doesn't have a hierarchical structure, but is an organization. How would we go about changing the nature of the organization from the bottom up, as you suggest? By How would the ideology possibly change based on there, you joining it? There it is. You just said change the ideology. How could the ideology right. possibly is that our, change? Is that our falsifiability yes. test of whether or not Antifa is a group? I don't even know. I, I would love to move off of this and talk about the media perception of Antifa. Which is fine, I think that's but we haven't, like we haven't established, we haven't established anything yet on this. If you can tell me how anarchy can burn down a building, you guys have won. No, no, you guys, but you guys anarchists have, can. You guys have, absolutely. But an anarchist is someone who believes in the ideology of anarchy. An anti-fascist. Okay, and what do you call a group of an those? An anti-fascist. You can call it whatever you want. It's just going to have a lowercase a. It's not. It doesn't affect the ideology as a whole. You can call yourself whatever the f*** you want. We can go back to the duck thing if you want. But me calling uh, myself a duck doesn't mean that ducks wear jeans. Because 
I wear jeans. So I think it doesn't make any sense. I think it is destructive. I think that we have gotten a lot of misperceptions from the media saying Antifa did this, Antifa did that. You know, that yeah. that any time that there is violence at a BLM protest or even the January 6th protest got blamed on Antifa, I think that there is a lot of misinformation. I think that there is a lot sure. of injustice that's being done in the perception of what Antifa is. I don't think that they're responsible for all those things. But when they say those things, those statements are ridiculous, certainly. Right. But why are they ridiculous? Are they ridiculous because of this same thing, this decentralized leadership of nobody, no one person being in charge of what Antifa is? They've specifically chosen a target that cannot respond because it's not a group that has any leadership at all. So, again, it'd be like saying the individual chapters burn down Portland. The individual chapters do, actually, but I'm that's they actually here what there. they actually do have leadership. They do have people who certainly organize and again, lowercase a. Those sure. those groups represent themselves. You they don't it. represent anybody else. You got it, Nathan. Lowercase sure. a, whatever. But but I I, yeah. I think that there well, is. Well, no, no, no. So I like Andy. Your Andy, your attitude is like incredibly infuriating to me. If you have a point to make, I suggest <laughs> you make it. But again, you can't change the nature of an ideology by going out and being like, I'm part of Cleveland Anarchy, and what we're gonna do is bake cupcakes. And then suddenly people think that anarchy is all about baking cupcakes. It doesn't make any sense. So what the f*** are you talking about? I That's my question for you. I have no idea what I you're talking about. I have explained myself. It doesn't make I have explained myself over and over again. About how does anarchy? How does anarchy burn down a building? How does an ideology make a physical move? By, by recruiting members, by... In inciting people to so to please tell me please tell me how anarchy or Antifa has recruited anybody because it's not a group it's not an organization I don't, I don't think that those are interchangeable things you're you're the one who's asserted that anarchy and Antifa are interchangeable I've 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 never suggested that those were interchangeable they are ideologies it is it is not me it is the English language. Fact check. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, ideology. One, a system of ideas and ideals, especially one which forms the basis of economic or political theory and policy. 1.1, the ideas and manner of thinking characteristic of a group, social class, or individual. Two, archaic, the science of ideas, the study of their origin and nature. 2.1. Archaic. Visionary speculation, especially of an unrealistic or idealistic nature. Mini fact check. Okay. So, is Hinduism an organization? I believe that is a religion. Right. So, so would you would you file that? So if I if I start, but if I if I start a a Hindu temple, do I change the nature of Hinduism? Possibly. Go on. 
so so you've taken who cares what is that i don't what is that why do we need to change the nature of the ideology at all i mean the ability to maybe in the sense of like and you did your example of an organization being able to oh send a representative like the ability to potentially instill some change but the necessity doesn't make any sense i don't care about the necessity all i care about is the ability all I care is about the idea that you oh, can change. Well, that's easy. And and Antifa, Rose City Antifa, can go out and do, take some sort of I don't know some action okay. that makes a name for themselves sure. and and or and create some sort of more top down organization mm-hmm. to the Antifa structure. But right now the Antifa structure is very bottom up, meaning it's power in the local groups. Local groups run themselves. Right, and there's not a strong centralized organization except for the ideology itself which guides everyone's right actions. and that would change the nature of rose city antifa and would not affect antifa as a whole at all but again it doesn't need to that's the necessity thing it can if it can it needs that's to be great, able but, to it cannot it is but not every action taken by it, it needs to no not every action like it, that's but not the but there needs like, to there's be, stuff there, where it might not have anything to do with changing the nature of the organization on a higher level. And but there needs that to be the possibility that it could. Of, there's not. There's no way you can change an ideology. It's not possible. You could create your own ideology if you want. Well, that's also ridiculous because just say the word like liberalism or conservatism, those ideologies have warped and morphed over the you years. Think, you think capital L liberalism or capital C conservatism has changed over the years? Because you reference these things in several episodes and also you, no, they haven't. If you mean like what's printed in the Mer- Merriam-Webster dictionary, maybe not, but that the whole point of a dictionary is to keep meaning static as much as possible but in terms of the usage of those words and and when someone says liberal or conservative what they mean by that that has absolutely sure and if donald trump wants to go out or beyond recognition donald trump or ted cruz or like whoever wants to go out and say rose city antifa burned down portland I don't have a beef with them. Like, maybe they're right and maybe they're wrong, but they actually pointed out a person or a group. When they say Antifa as a whole, it's nonsense because they're not talking about anybody. You can start an organization, lowercase, with any with any ideology that you want. We, we could have Cleveland liberalism, Cleveland environmentalism, Cleveland conservatism, whatever. And you can absolutely start that organization. You can make a name for itself. You can grow it. You can do whatever you want. But it doesn't change what conservatism is. It doesn't change what Antifa is. It doesn't change any of these here's, things. Here's, and, it, so and it doesn't have the possibility to I do would, so. What I would say is while I think I, I think what you're – tell me if this rings rings true. Cause, um, so it, it would be like if PETA were referred to as – animal rights activism. Okay. Where, like, Rose City Antifa, they weren't in, directed by some higher structure to take certain... To, uh, to burn down Portland or whatever. Right. And they, um, don't, and they don't need to. They can follow... They can follow whatever tenets of, like, capital but, A Antifa they want. 
and like start their own organization. And I don't have any beef with that, and I don't like so, I don't disrespect them for using the name Antifa. But that is still an anti-fascist group, sure. right? Absolutely. But it, okay, so really the issue is just that, or the the issue that you take issue with is is that it's not a nationalized or larger structure. It's, it's that it's just smaller localized structures, and that's why. So that's the you want that you can have individual groups that follow an ideology because they're all over the place. You can absolutely do that. I don't have a problem with any of these individual groups, but it doesn't mean the ideology itself is a group just because you can form a group around that ideology. All right, if I if I can jump in, if I can jump in. So Please. here's here's why I think exactly what you're describing Nathan is dangerous. That idea that this is a decentralized group that it's it's an ideology and not a group nobody is responsible for it nobody can be sued over it but they can still promote their ideas they can still recruit is that people are getting potentially hurt and there's no accountability whatsoever there's no accountability to a central organization of Antifa because that doesn't exist. You can't make it illegal to organize as Antifa in order to gather right. as Antifa because there is no Antifa. And I think that that is being used as, like I said earlier, a cloak to hide violence behind. I do want to point out there there is a case the killings of Aaron Danielson and Michael Reinal. Are you guys familiar with this? No. This was in 2020. Aaron, Aaron Danielson, uh, self-proclaimed 100% Antifa. This is from his own Instagram that he said mm -hmm. he posted 100% Antifa all the way. Identifying himself as Antifa. This is the kind of person who dresses all in black attends these meetings, shot and killed Michael Reinol, and, like, you may think, Michael Reinol, whatever you want to think about him. Only thing I can think of is, who is he? An American supporter of the far-right group Patriot Prayer was shot and killed after participating ah. in a pro-Trump caravan which drove through Portland, Oregon, displaying banners and signs supporting President Donald Trump, and clashing with mm -hmm. participants in the local George Floyd protests. So whatever you want to think about uh, Aaron Danielson, uh, Michael Reinald killed, shot and killed him. This is the mm -hmm. same case where um, you saw later that week that an, a self-proclaimed Antifa was shot by federal agents in his car. There were conflicting accounts of whether he had a gun drawn on the officers or not. Um, there was there was one witness who said that he had opened fire, and there were several witnesses that said that he hadn't. This guy was basically... I remember this case now. Yeah, yeah. he was executed yeah. by police, I believe on the streets of Portland. He was in his car, and uh, several witnesses stated the officers opened fire without warning. This was called retribution for the Aaron Danielson killing, and it was commended by President Donald Trump. He commended the U.S. Marshals for shooting Reinald and described his death as retribution. This guy was a violent criminal, Part of the and the U.S. Marshals killed him. 
And I will tell you something. That's the way it has to be. There has to be retribution when you have crime like this. Now, I don't think that it's any American citizen, any citizen who should be executed by police. I also don't think that it's any citizen who's out in the streets expressing their free speech, even if you think he's an asshole, going through the streets of Portland, not a conservative city by any measure, marching through the streets of Portland and expressing their far-right views. I don't believe that that person deserved to die, and I don't like the use of this uh, decentralized network of Antifa to spread an ideology of hate, an ideology of violence, I don't like that there is nobody who's accountable for that. That right. nobody has anything is... to do with that. Nobody's accountable for their own spreading of that violent rhetoric. Well, of course they are. I mean, if, if that person was actually a member of an Antifa group, you could certainly go after that Antifa group. It just doesn't affect Antifa as a whole. And... Again, I'm not personally saying that Antifa is a good or a bad thing. My only beef here is whether it's an ideology and an organization. But I think, I think you're using your rhetoric to cloud the waters and remove that possible accountability. I think that you are helping. I think you're helping Antifa to hide. It's not possible. I, I mean, I, I, like, I'm sorry that you want an impossibility to be a possibility, but it's simply not. I mean, I'm not saying that they should be able to shirk accountability at all. It's just not in this way. You can't do it. You can't hold anarchy accountable for anarchists' goals. You, however, can go after toledo anarchy if you want if they're part of an organization you can go after that group you can go after them as individuals you can go after people who taught them this ideology and encourage them to do these actions what you can't do is go after hinduism or whatever you want to like call it right but there there is a body of antifa that is alive today you know whether whether you want to call it i mean several i think but there's i mean there's no a hierarchical organization or not right. like that it, and there I'm, are people who are antifa there are people who are spreading this ideology absolutely and i'm not opposed to holding those people accountable i have no problem and again like i said if conservatives want to say this specific like washington dc antifa needs to be held accountable for what their members did I'll step back. I don't, like, I'm just wondering like, if anything... Maybe I agree with that. Maybe I don't. But like, at least that makes sense. It's them going after a group of people, something that has an actual membership and an address and people to go after. I'm just wondering if there are other things that work the same way in your mind. Like, is BLM an ideology or a group? In, in BLM, BLM is tricky. I think BLM is a group, and that is an excellent example of a decentralized group. It's a okay. group that doesn't have any leadership, but it is a group because it was started for a specific purpose, and it was started to be a group. Like that, that's not the same thing as Antifa. I don't see the distinction where where it's pretty where Antifa is also organizing people is also telling people to all shut up, show up at the same protest. But who? Who like you keep on you keep saying that Antifa is doing this. How? What do you mean? What are you talking about? Individual Antifa groups are doing it, but again, this is the difference 
this is why I keep on bringing up the difference between capital A Antifa and lowercase Antifa. Lowercase Antifa can absolutely bring people along and start protests or even like tell people to go punch a Nazi or whatever and can be held accountable if they do something that's illegal. Capital A Antifa can't do shit other than like exist. If I call Michael Reinol a, a member of Antifa, is that accurate? No, like, unless there's a group specifically lowercase Antifa. What? Because, like, no one's saying that nobody can, like, use that name if they want. But you can't call them a member of Antifa because it's not a group. There's there's nobody to go after. From where I'm sitting over here, it kind of feels like we're mostly arguing about a word that can just have two different definitions and both be right. And but I don't, I don't really see it that like, way at all. I think there, there is, there is an ideology. Like, it is. No, there's it's not. It, there's an, no, because there are groups that are anti-fascist yes, groups. Absolutely. So they fit the word Antifa. Lowercase. Yes. And there's an ideology that, is anti-fascism, upper, upper which also gets the word yes. Antifa. One word, two meanings. Mm, no, oh, uppercase, lowercase, again. That's the same kind no. word, though! You're just, I mean, you're I'd just wrong. <laughs> Words just, have like, multiple meanings, you, you guys, and that's okay. You guys are wrong about this, and, like, I'm I'm sorry that you're wrong, and I think that I think your concerns are valid, and I think you wanting to hold people accountable is absolutely valid. My only beef is this idea that you can, like, hold an ideology accountable because it's just fucking words on a page. No one wants to do that. What we're saying is that there, there are groups to hold accountable. There's There are people who are... Right, and I've said I'm all... F- representing yeah. anti-fascism to hold accountable, and they are anti-fascists too. They, they. I think you're doing the work of deliberate obfuscation. I mean, but I. It kind of. But you understand like, that I feel that same way about you, right? Like I think there's there's no reason to have an incorrect view of this. It's not so complicated to understand that you can't grasp it. I don't really like, want to talk around in circles for for just hours and hours. So right, that's why I'm trying to like let you know what the actual facts are. Like, we don't have to talk around. So we just have what to, like, we should do is just take your word for it and stop arguing with you I mean, about it. if that's it the way you want to go, I wouldn't say no. just tote the, the party line because it sounds kind of fascist. <laughs> well, we, we want to draw the distinction between that. authoritarianism <laughs> and fascism. Fascism is more particular, as we established at the beginning of the episode, it is more particular than authoritarianism. Authoritarianism is broad, and fascism is mm-hmm. particularly an ethnic-driven, hearkening to the past authoritarianism it's almost exclusively a white supremacist and far-right movement i mean when you talk about antifa like today like virtually every group you're going to see the ideology talks about those two things white supremacy and far-right movements because that has been traditionally what has caused fascism in the past right it's it's well and and Fascism specifically is a right-wing economic, like a, a an, an, I guess, open market, private markets right. um, type structure 
its its left wing twin all the same trappings except change that free market economy to a centrally governed economy and that's communism. or socialism yeah but communism is is well not really socialism is a little bit different um, but communism is pretty much the it, it's <laughs> just centrally planned I mean socialism fascism. that's an ideology if you or, if you wanted another one so. Are, is there such a thing as socialists? Can socialists do things? Sure, in the same like we've been over can this. So, socialists can burn down a building so many times, but just because. Well, then what's the, the difference between a socialist and an anti-fascist? Nothing. You can call yourself and you can call. Why does one exist and the other doesn't? Yourself, I'm not saying you can't be an anti-fascist. You can certainly be an anti-fascist. You can certainly be a socialist. It's just going to be a small a or a small s. I'm just looking for a singular that we can call a a single Antifa, one Antifa. Because, but the problem is it's not a thing. You 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 want to label a thing that isn't a thing. Like a we can one, we can make like a word what you for call, it right now. What would you like to call it? Because what you could it's call a it real is, thing that exists. You're arguing sure. that it's a ghost that you could, just you could, puffs you into could, the air as soon as you start talking about it. No, what you could call it is a person who believes in the ideology of Antifa. Sure, then that's then what that's we'll call if you it. want to know what it like. But that person will exist in like a variety of different groups. Sure. So that's fine, and like a person who believes in Antifa. They might be a shitty person. They might go out and cause violence or like cause uh, damage to a city. They might go out and, and uh, like I don't know riot or. But should we? Like, but should we tear never down a investigate that ideology that led them there? Should we never investigate? Yeah, but how do the, you hold the dissemination of that material and that rhetoric of hate? Yeah, how do you hold that accountable? How how would I go about holding? How do how, do how would hold, I go about holding? Uh, white supremacy accountable yeah that's <laughs> how do i do that by going after it going after what like there are white there are white supremacist going groups that i can go after and absolutely i have no beef with that there are antifa groups you can go after because they believe in you the ideology go after the teachings that's fine how do you go after teachings i don't what are necessarily you talking about? by disseminating information by teaching by by putting together programs that Put people together to teach them that white people aren't. Yeah, I don't have like a beef a with any of that. But race. it doesn't like it doesn't change that's the how ideology. You fight those things. There are ways to fight those ide- ideologies. There yeah, are and ways. Right. There's whether we allow a space for it in our culture or whether we don't. I don't think that an individual Antifa person, whatever we want to talk about, a, a, a person who a person believes, who believes in, the in the tenets of, of the, uh, the of ideology Antifa. of Antifa. I don't think that their rank and file is necessarily like bad people. I think maybe that they're a little bit lazy in allowing this violent rhetoric to spread. I think that maybe they're not vigilant but, in but keeping the violence is, I, I, out of their rhetoric. I don't disagree with you, but also they aren't a member of an organization. How would I go about stopping that from happening? Like I can go out and I can educate people and you better God believe I do in my day-to-day life, but I can't stop somebody espousing an ideology. It doesn't make any sense. Well, and the way that we talk about it matters. The way that we handle it in our culture and in our conversation matters. So, right. And if you want to say, like, if you want to go out and say, the ideology of Antifa is incredibly dangerous and, like, should not be espoused. 
I, like that statement, I'm not going to have a beef with that's it. That's not like, necessarily. Maybe I'll have a personal beef with it. Maybe I agree with it, or maybe that's I not don't. Not necessarily but, where I am, but like maybe like th- we should examine that. Right. I like I've already said. I said from the very beginning, I don't believe in uh, philosophies that espouse violence, and so I'd be a terrible Antifa member. So the question is, uh, I, I want to zoom out and look at how how necessary do you guys think? that this is because we are we are potentially dangerously close to teetering on the edge of fascism is something is is a direct action organization like antifa the only thing that keeps us from falling over this precipice because maybe it is like i don't i don't presume to know the answer to that but i'd like to hear what you guys think yeah i want andy to go first because i've talked so much this episode (laughs) So something I think that needs to be mentioned, and this might be a good place to do it, is fascism is inherently anti-democratic. Now, that doesn't mean that anti-fascism is pro-democratic necessarily, but fascism is is necessarily anti-democratic. And for that reason, and because I believe that liberal democracy is the best way to form to build a society i think that the way that we do it in america is super screwed up in so many so many ways but the the idea of liberal democracy in can take better forms than our current form and 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 ought to and ought to be pursued and that fascism is inherently antithetical to that. So fascism, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I don't think that it should just be squishy-squashed out of existence so that nobody ever talks about it, because somebody will think of it and surprise (laughs) everyone. I think it's one of those things that we need to educate people on. Like, this is something else that's been tried here are the examples of it how, mm-hmm. of it being tried. Um, here's the problems. Here's you know, and teach people about that because I think what we've done in this country in a lot of ways is we've created a lot of people. With, and, and this goes back to something that we talked about in in a few other episodes, including the education one. But we we have this we we amerawash our education. And I'm just starting to tag Amera, whatever, onto words. That's my new thing. Um, but we Amera wash our, our education in this, like, star-spangled G.I. Joe story. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nazis and the, the, the axis of evil is painted as this anti-Semitism because that's a pretty easy straw man to knock down. Screw anti-Semitism, right? Yeah. Everybody's on board. But really, the thing that united those Axis countries was fascism, not anti-Semitism. And I think if we talked about our history in a more honest way, there, there's... The thing is, there's 75 million people who voted for a very clear pro-fascism guy. A guy who wanted to be a fascist. And fortunately, the basic structure of our democracy mostly 
prevented that and held it in Yeah, but you you do remember if like, we do not repair the walls of this city, it will fall I don't know next if, like, time. I don't know but, if you don't remember um, about this or not, but like November of last year, he literally started the 1776 commission to promote patriotic yeah, to like the quote, opposite of patriotic that. education so that we only mm-hmm. told the nice parts yeah. about American history like right. Yeah. We want our sons and daughters to know that they are the citizens of the most exceptional nation in the history of the world. Whether it is the mob on the street or the cancel culture in the boardroom, the goal is the same, to silence dissent, to scare you out of speaking the truth, and to bully Americans into abandoning their values, their heritage, and their very way of life. America's founding set in motion the unstoppable chain of events that abolished slavery, secured civil rights, defeated communism and fascism, and built the most fair, equal, and prosperous nation in human history. Which is literally like the and and that's a super fascist yeah. move like that that is something that fa- other fascists have done, but like seventy five million people watched all of that happen and still voted for him and a lot of them said well we need that strong leader that unifying leader fascism is really appetizing for some people basically we have seventy five million voting fascists roughly in this country and how i don't know how many more million sympathetics who didn't vote for trump but um who who would never if you ask them are you fascist they would never say yes and they wouldn't they would believe themselves they would think that they are not they think they are not fascist but they have these beliefs that are fascist and I do believe in a kind of pompous, I guess, or or pretentious way that education, you know, sunlight is the best disinfectant for bad ideas, right? If we educate people on fascism, no one would want to be a part of that. But that's honestly, that's not true. There are legitimate reasons to sort of start down that half and with any ideology if you follow it to its extreme you've got awful things going on so it's it's like how people get sucked into the white nationalist cults um is by well it starts with this little thing that makes sense and this little grievance and then it just slowly you they keep pulling that thread that's how you get like real like Hitler if, if I can jump Mussolini in for a second like fascists. I don't take for granted that your statement that uh you know we were really close to electing a fascist like a lot of people don't agree with that you don't take that for granted either because you you mentioned it but I just I just want to say that that is maybe a contentious claim I I might be sympathetic to that claim but well, you, you you haven't I'm, do you mean that Trump is a fascist? Like, a lot of people don't yeah. see it that way. Oh, well, mm-hmm. what I'm... Right, no, no, that's what I'm saying, is that these people, they they don't recognize these things as fascism. Um, right. And 
they don't understand this slippery slope that they are sliding down well, on their butts. There are tenants of um, there are tenants and, of fascism that we went over. We can do it again if you want. But he meets virtually everyone. I think everyone. I think we have to make that at least like at least his his yeah. ideology, his uh, his goal, his wish for what he wanted his administration to be. I, Meets every single one. I think one. we need to make that case real quick if we're going to just throw out that statement haphazardly that President Donald Trump was a, was a fascist. I think I think that you need to enforce that point well, rather than just throw that away. You know. Fact check. Fact check. Fact check. And welcome back to Fact Check. So, is Donald Trump a fascist? This is a question we could easily dedicate an entire episode to. And the answer is subjective in many ways. I'm going to put a number of resources in the doobly-doo, including a speech and paper by a professor of history at University of Birmingham, UK, Frank Ucotter, answering the question from a historical and research point of view. I'd highly suggest you check it out. Let me just mention a few things, though. It is possible that Trump isn't a fascist, but it isn't for lack of trying. On February 28th of 2016, for example, Trump retweeted the quote, It is better to live one day as a lion than a hundred years as a sheep. Turns out this quote is from Benito Mussolini, so that's not a great look. Trump is regularly called for acts of violence against those he disagrees with or sees an inconvenience. Trump constantly undermines the media any time they publish any story that doesn't present him in a positive light. In 2018, Yale professor and author of How Fascism Works, The Politics of Us and Them, Jason Stanley said, I wouldn't claim, not yet at least, that Trump is presiding over a fascist government, but he is very clearly using fascist techniques to excite his base and erode liberal democratic institutions, and that's very troubling. So is Trump a fascist? Maybe, maybe not. But he certainly employs fascist techniques. Make sure to check out the resources in the doobly-doo, and let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. I, I would rather just clarify what I said, which is that Donald Trump is pro-fascism, meaning he he supports fascist um, government actions and policies. And that's just a, like a track record thing. But that's not – again, he wouldn't say that he's fascist. Nobody would because that word – right. everyone knows that fascism is bad, but what they don't know right. is what fascism is. And so, over, they, like, they, so they, I think at, at his yeah. highest ideal, at his highest goal, Trump wanted to be an American dictator because you, you saw the people that he um, talked about in these like – like kind words like he fell in love with Kim Jong-un and he can't he, he looked into Putin's eyes and can't see any reason why he would have lied. He loves these strong men because that's what he wants to be. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw additional information about <laughs> how Donald Trump is a fascist. And the thing is, I think part of this is subjective. I don't think a lot of it, but I think if people want to like put their fingers in their ears and close their eyes and hum, they can pretend he's yeah, not. I just think we have to make There's, that case. like if you don't yeah. <laughs> right if you if you if you can't believe that Donald Trump is a fascist, nothing we're going to tell you or link to you or whatever is going to change 
that in your mind. But he does – he certainly he certainly well, loves some fascists, and he certainly has a lot of similarities to some very famous fascists. So we'll throw that in the doobly-doo. Can, can I ask you guys a question? So do you think Please. that direct action in the way that Antifa does it, do you think that that is a net – deterrent to would-be fascists or do you think that that creates martyrs people who are victims that can be uh like held up by let's say like fox news or somebody to say like oh look at these poor people that antifa beat up like what do you think is the bigger force that is at work here creating martyrs or creating an environment that is unfriendly to fascism or can both be true I think when you have a party operate in bad faith, it kind of doesn't matter. I think strategically, it's not a good move. I think punching a Nazi in the face probably feels real damn good. But you're like what you're doing is just reinforcing what they already believe, and you're not going to change anybody's mind that way. Uh, I, I think similarly, like um, you know, if you ask if that is a net gain for the anti-fascism movement. I think the conservative media machine is way too powerful for that to not just turn into martyrdom and, and ignite the base. And that is a machine that operates right. on igniting right. I mean, the base. How, how so, often do you hear them talk about the ultra-violent riots uh, that we watched all last year uh, throughout the country, whereas... What the science bears out is that 96% of the I Can't Breathe George Floyd BLM protests were completely, completely peaceful, and that the other 4%, it's hard to tell which one of those were started by police. It's hard to tell like when police were bashing into protesters and those protesters were acting in self-defense right and when you can't do that who knows what i can tell you is as people who listen to this podcast regularly know i have watched hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these police brutality videos from last year from every one of these protests and it would not surprise me if most of those were started by police right so i, I mean i just i just don't know i here's what here's what i think I don't believe in violence in any scenario. I also don't know that there's a good solution to this. I, I, when you have a whole group of people that is so hell-bent against listening to facts or reason or logic, I, I don't know how you change their mind. I don't think punching them is going to get it done, though. And I think you're going to be painted with a negative brush no matter what you do, but... When you punch a Nazi, when you commit acts of violence, you just make it easier for the conservative press to paint you that way. And so I'm I'm not going to tell you people what to do, but I just like from a strategic standpoint, I don't think it makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of undecided. Like, I mean, I don't think that it's ever a good thing to promote an ideology of violence I don't think it's good right. to spread that rhetoric, but at the same time, like, 
the argument is that like you can either deal with uh, racists in the streets today or fascists in in office tomorrow. You know, like um, that that you'll either fight them with uh, you know tear gas and punching them in the street in protests, or there's going to be tanks and guns. Like, um, you know, I I don't promote punching a Nazi, but I think that. Um, it's a tough issue. Like, I mean, I I dislike Nazis enough well, that I I don't want them to have a part in the country. Right. If I I in it is my opinion that um <laughs> so I talked. <laughs> I like the start of that sentence. It's very good. I, I think you're going somewhere good. With um, it. I talked a little bit about like ed- educating and, and having a more honest education um, about American history and world history and, and a more um, encompassing education in, on history. Anyone, anyone, the Great Depression passed the, anyone, anyone? That I think that's really important, but I think one of the best things that we could do to combat fascism but also like the anti-fascism and the just extremism in every way is by improving our democratic institutions especially our voting institutions a more inclusive method of voting such as ranked choice voting is one of my personal favorites but there's a lot of options i think multi-member districts for the house of representatives makes a lot of sense um i you know pro-democracy reforms make extremism go away if if you have a system that pulls people to the middle rather than pushes them to the edges then this becomes way less of a of an issue and you're always going to have people who are way out there at, at, at the extremes but i think first of all there's a lot more reason in those sorts of instances for a regular person like us to or regular people like us to have faith in democratic institutions one of the things about donald trump that scared me so much scares me so much still this is still a very big concern and he continues to propagate the lie about the election and what that does is sows Mm -hmm. distrust in democracy all of his supporters have less faith in the integrity of our system to produce a fair and and honest result and that is how that that is very very bad. That is how thing you know right. democracies fall. Well, how how this nation. Do you guys can mind fall if apart. I? Uh, it's the Republicans' fault, real quick. Yeah, go for it. It's the Republicans, dag nabbit. Uh, because when you have one party that is now Liz, Liz Cheney is being pushed out of her leadership position for the simple fact that she is telling the truth about the election. Mm-hmm. You have numerous Republicans that have been so, voted, like are being censured or voted out of office or whatever because they told the truth or they voted for Donald Trump to be impeached because he had terrorists attack the United States. And and you're seeing the Republicans like defend these terrorists over and over again, saying like, well, January 6th wasn't what you think it was. 
Like people died. Like many people died. Like there, some Republicans are treating the woman well, who was shot trying to trying to get into the uh, Senate chambers. They're calling her a hero, like defending her death. It's it's so crazy. And and you have uh, you know Matt Gates, Matt Matt Kids, Matt Gates. Um, <laughs> Matt, Matt and uh, Marjorie Taylor Gehring. It's good. Yeah. Uh, oh, there you go. And 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 Marjorie Taylor Gehring down in Florida in the in the in the villages having a, a rally of the what was it called the first. America still, first and rally. Again, can I just say Republicans? That's still a, that's still a KKK slogan from the fifties. Well, that's yeah. That was the white nationalist caucus that they wanted to start. It got the shut Anglo- down real quick, and so they decided to go and have a rally. Yes, oh, I'm sorry, Anglo-Saxon. Yeah, it's just so... Which is just white nationalist. I don't know if we can get back from where we are. Honestly, it feels completely hopeless at this point. I think you're absolutely right. The, the way we go about it is we make voting systems more open. The way we do it is to make sure like more people get to the polls and like the people are represented by their congressmen, but we know for a fact that the filibuster rule isn't going to get overturned. We've already heard that uh, Joe Manchin is not supporting D.C. statehood. Nothing's going to happen. The Republicans have a wildly unfair advantage to uh, send the country backwards as much as they want over time, and there's nothing we can really do about it. So we're all fucked. So I don't I don't know what the answer is, and I, I don't know what the answer is because my default answer to this kind of thing is usually like, let's open up a dialogue. The reason is that we're talking past each other. We're just not hearing each other. We have these echo chambers of people just not not listening to the other side and not interested in the other side. We need to open up mm-hmm. a dialogue and include everybody and have that conversation. I don't know that that's the right answer this time. <laughs> Maybe less dialogue is better. Right. Maybe this is the right. time where we well, need some people to shut I think, up. I don't know. One of the things we can absolutely do is start firing mm-hmm. some more Congress people, and until we start getting some some changes, and you know, I don't want to go too far down this. Bro- it doesn't matter. The the Senate is always going to be. We're never going to get over sixty Democrats. In the Senate, and and all I mean is like non non Republicans. I, I disagree. No, we're never. It's well, never. Not it's, for a long time, but it's literally never going to happen. I here's the thing. There's so much of, of this stuff is not at is not a national at the national level. Um, there's definitely some very important stuff that goes on at the national level, but a lot, so many of these things can be done at a state level and at a local county level, and especially when it comes to election reform. Not that this is where I expected this episode to <laughs> right. go. We're we're a little bit off of base right here, but go ahead. Well, kind of, but we're not because we're talking about what's a practical anti-fascism that you can do rather than join an Antifa group in Rose City and go punch a Nazi. You can fair enough. Here's what we need to do: we need to start. Americans all need to start a GoFundMe so that we can start buying out corrupt politicians. It's not that expensive. <laughs> I think Ted Cruz announced that he's gotten like. 23 million in outside donations over the last several years like we could come up with that no problem 
And, and I got to say, my attitude, I'm fed up with it. I'm sick of it. I think a lot of Americans are sick of it. And so I announced this week, as of this point going forward, I will, I will not accept any contributions from corporate PACs, not a penny. In the nine years I've served in the Senate, corporate PACs have contributed $2.6 million to my campaigns. And I've decided enough is enough that if they're going to behave as enemies of, of, of the American people, enemies of liberty, if they're going to engage in lies and willingly be weaponized as, as economic tools of punishment for, for the Democratic Party and the radicals uh, who are doing enormous damage to the country, that, 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 then I want nothing to do with that endeavor. We'll give you 50 just to shut the f*** up. How about that? Well, I'll tell you, it only costs a few hundred to maybe a few thousand dollars to run for local offices and even for state offices. Sure, and I think that's important. If you can get that kind of funding, then go fucking do it and don't let Nathan make you feel weird about it, people. I, I do want to bring this thing in for a landing <laughs> quickly, but do you guys have a thesis that you want to put out? Maybe that's what we've been doing for the last half an hour, but do, oh, you, guys, sure. do you guys have a thesis that you want to put out for, you know, this is the last word that I want to get in on Antifa that I would die, you know, I, <laughs> I'm dying to get out if we don't get it on this episode. Sure. I, to make it fair for you guys, I'll go first. People who believe in the tenets of the ideology of Antifa are real. Uh, Antifa groups are real, but they don't represent capital A Antifa as a whole, and capital A Antifa is an ideology. That is the end of the conversation. Well, now, I guess... Now you make your own thing, your own statement. The only thing to add is those Antifa groups that are real, Whether don't worry about whether your A is capital <laughs> or lowercase. That's not it's, important. It's, it's, wildly, it's wildly important. Fight I would fascism. just say, like, don't, don't punch a Nazi, but, like, maybe more importantly... Don't be a Nazi. <laughs> I can. I think that's something we can all agree on. <laughs> so before we wrap this thing up, I do have one, I guess, question for you guys. <clears throat> and I'll answer it first, too. Um, but I, I'm wondering if anyone um, moved at all on, on this issue from, from when we started the conversation to where we ended it here. Um, for me, I came into this kind of expecting to be mostly, um, I would say I didn't really move a whole lot. Um, I did, however, I, I, I basically, I feel like there's, there's two things that have the same word as, as their word and that's okay. And, um, I wouldn't say I changed on that, but what I did kind of budge on a little bit is started to think through maybe just by saying it out loud but think through really what kind of a threat fascism poses to democracy and just how much that really scares me and needs to be really somehow worked against in some way and i don't think that punching nazis is that way but um i you know i think that that's a that's something that needs to start being worked on anyway I think we've come across a labeling problem where, like, I want to talk about, you know, Antifa. It's not ambiguous what I'm talking about when I say Antifa. Um, when nobody thinks that I'm talking about the ideology that people espouse who are adherents to the ideology of Antifa. When I say Antifa, I mean the group of people, however you define them, 
the the group of people who espouse and promote that ideology i haven't really budged on that uh i thought that exploring this topic um maybe one of us would move i get i'm not exactly <laughs> disappointed but i don't think that anyone has budged anywhere from this conversation which is fine we've just explored I, where we were i mean it was still right, a good and for conversation me, it it depends on what part of the conversation you're talking about. I do think that labels are important, and I think especially now when conservatives are looking for easy scapegoats to specifically stir up racial tension in the country, that is important. It is important to accurately label these things. But that's my only beef. I think when we had a few different conversations and I think we mostly got bogged up in that one because it's important mm -hmm. to me. The reasons why it's important to me, I think, are valid. But there are other things like, no, I I don't think violence is an effective tool right now to be able to get where we need to be. And I sure as hell am anti-fascist. And maybe I can, like, uh, deliver water for the people punching the Nazis or whatever, you know, like maybe I can like be supportive of the anti-fascist cause in some other way, but like, it's never going to be my bag because my pacifism is important to me. I also think that there, there's the issue of labeling and then there's the issue of, is this an effective tool or not? And I, I just don't think it is, but I don't know what an effective tool looks like in the world we live in right now. And so I'm not going to tell anybody else you shouldn't do this either. But in general, I'm against punching. So does that mean I changed? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I, I might be the only pro-puncher <laughs> here. I mean, it's not that I'm like, go find a Nazi to punch, but like, I just am not averse to it if if i'm not um, protecting nazis <laughs> like, a nazi if a nazi's hopping up on a table and shouting you know racist anti-semitic things i'm gonna what i mean i mean it might not be a punch but whatever type of strike is appropriate i'm going for it well you know what i would like to punch a precious moment ah precious moments do you guys have anything? I have a, I have a, something. Yeah, I'll let you go first. I'm still, I'm still pretty psyched about my microphone. Or wait, hold on. I'm still pretty psyched about my microphone. Um, I think as everybody who can like hear me now. Oh, so I've been, I've been enjoying Vice quite a bit recently. Um, it, apparently they mm -hmm. are farther left than I thought, and like, uh, we were, oh, we were yeah. looking at some like bias charts of like what kind of bias you know different kinds of media has and vice was like a lot further than i expected to the left which is fine um but uh something that they covered that i found a lot of amusement with um you know the florida man the florida man stories that we we said we were of course we wanted to do an episode about and we never did we're still totally going to do an episode so on that. a florida man <laughs> was arrested for a sticker on his car the sticker on his car says I eat ass. He, he was arrested for this and put in jail. Obviously, this is like a First Amendment issue. The officer was saying that it was like obscenity in public and that, uh, you know, there was some kind of statute against it. 
the courts clearly just sided with the First Amendment argument, which I think is great. The guy was able to keep his tag. Unfortunately, he still had to deal with, like, the bond and a bunch of legal fees, but at least he was not prevented from having his sticker on his truck. Um, It's still kind of unfortunate to have all of the mess of him getting arrested and the state, you know, the state makes a mistake and they're not really going to make up for that mistake. They're just going to say, well, tough. Right. But the First Amendment was protected and that guy kept his IE sticker. And that's all that really matters at the end of the day. Right. Hell yeah. So that's my precious moment. We can link that in the doobly-doo. Feel good <laughs> story of the day. Man, I have a I have a couple, but I think... Well, Andy, I, I don't want to step on your toes. No, go for okay. it. Go for it. I, I'm still <laughs> deciding. I think the one I'm going to talk about, because I loved it and it's pretty short, and it's another uh, thing that we can send people off to watch a video of, there are these uh, three hunters from southern Kenyan. Uh, they're called Dorabo hunters. And basically, they're out looking for a meal, and they see a number of lions. I want to say eight or ten lions who have just made a kill. And, like, normally you want to stay away from <laughs> that whole situation. But their whole hunting strategy, at least on this day, is... The three of them stood up to their, like, tallest height and very confidently walked straight for these lions' kills. And every single lion runs away. Wow. They're all terrified <laughs> of these guys just because of their confidence. And they go in and they cut off a haunch of this wildebeest, throw it over their shoulder, and walk away before the lions can be like, hey, wait a second. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Like, wow. Like that is like the 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 chutzpah on those guys is amazing to me and like yeah that is who, the ballsiest thing I've ever heard of who was the first person who came up with that strategy <laughs> who like turned to their two friends is like I have an idea <laughs> like <laughs> man that's wild <laughs> like it's so good and you can see like the lions are starting to get antsy like pretty quick after they walk up on it. so like this guy is like cutting frantically trying to get this haunch off. It's so good. So anyway, I will include the video for that in the doobly doo. It's only a couple minutes long and absolutely worth watching. Nice. So I have a I have an actual actually a topical wow. precious mm. moment. So <laughs> alright. I I don't really fully like know the story so i'm gonna do my best here so there's this woman lara logan an award-winning former cbs news correspondent who joined fox news as a host on their online streaming service fox nation yeah, last fox year nation, yeah i have a subscription yes. don't you guys no she is supposedly an investigative journalist mm. that is how she wants to be considered so apparently she keeps falling for like Antifa hoaxes. So for example, she tweeted out, she posted a picture of a tweet that and when was this? This was in tw- June 2020. The tweet is from Antifa America. Yeah, it's national. Oh, I take it back. I guess they are an organization. They have a Twitter account and everything. Right. 
Damn. All right. Well, and they plan things on using social media. Uh, for the, what the tweet says here, it says, Tonight's the night, comrades. And it's got a black fist. Um, Tonight we say, F*** the city, and we move into the residential areas, the White Hoods, and we take what's ours. Fire emoji, hashtag Black Lives Matters, which is not the right... And it's spelled with one T. Maters. Black L-I-V-E-S, but lowercase mm-hmm. L, then M-A-T-E-R-S. Yeah, Maters, I guess. Maters? Yeah, like Tumater, but without the tu. Hashtag America and a, uh, a middle finger emoji. <clears throat> like, this is... <laughs> Real, nah. real good investigative work there, Lara. Real good job. You're just crushing it. That sure sounds like a member of Capital A Antifa to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That tweet turned out to have come from, shockingly, a fake account linked what? to white. Yeah, I know. Is actually linked to white nationalist group Identity Europa, posing as Antifa, which just like did a a better job than than bezos's fake employees in the oh union vote lead up and this is all right here's another tweet directly from her this is her saying exposing the lie anarchists hide behind the idea that there is no organization or structure but here you have it in their own words quote traditional command structure and there, it links to another tweet which i now <laughs> have to go to because i did not Oh, that tweet is, is unavailable. Is this really a woman that you want to share an opinion with, Andy? <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't share an opinion with her, but she's just a total, like, real crack I think, journalist. I think white nationalists posing as Antifa and getting picked up by Fox News is the antithesis of the, uh, or it's the, it's the pinnacle of of the the Ouroboros, the snake eating its tail. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was uh, the godfather of Fox News. It was Steve Bannon himself who said uh, something along the lines of um, a, a fire hose of shit um, <laughs> was their, their whole, like, business model in at uh, Breitbart um, to just say whatever the f- <laughs> they wanted and people would latch onto something and get pissed off about something and God didn't it work. He, he said, uh, I believe, flood the zone with shit. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I like to think of Beat a Dead Source as a fire hose of facts. I've, yeah, I've been thinking about like Tucker Carlson a lot lately and how he just like says whatever, like... Whatever his uh, audience wants to hear at the time, like, that's what you hear coming out of his mouth. And, like, no matter how stupid it is or, like, wild it is or anything, when I first moved to Cleveland, I drove around late at night a lot. And music, when I'm it's late at night and I'm alone in the car, puts me to sleep. Uh, I like talk radio, like, literally any kind of talk radio. And so it's 3 a.m., I don't give a shit about sports, but the sports station is the only thing I can find that has any sort of talk radio on. So I'm like, fine, you win this round, sports. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm listening, and it's it's kind of funny because 
it's this guy on an AM talk radio channel. No one is listening to him. And he's just trying anything he can to try and get people to call in. So he, like, has something to talk about. So eventually I'm listening to him for maybe half an hour. And finally he's like, all right, let's try this. Uh, Michael Jordan, worst athlete of all time? Call me up. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like that's a lot of what, like, Tucker Carlson is doing. He's just trying to, like, drum up attention. Like, and that feels a lot like that where there's, like, you – you're saying something that doesn't make any sense at all, but it's going to get somebody – like you're going to get somebody to call in at 3 a.m. your a.m. talk, talk sports show. I Overall, as an investigative journalist, I would give her a B plus. <laughs> wow. For, for checking her sources. <laughs> a B – that's uh, out of – what's – how much uh, – on a range from C to negative Z. <laughs> Gotcha. All right. Well, so whatever C, that means. C plus is so, like the C plus bad. is the best grade on bad. your scale. <clears throat> like C plus is actually better than the best grade because you started at C and then you gave her a C plus. So C is an A. I gave her a. I, I gave her a B. Oh, plus, that's so. C. That's way better. But it's at the bo- anyway. <laughs> um, real bad grade. She's not very good at her job. Um, as as an investigative journalist, she doesn't do a very good job investigating things. Wow, you know so. those those sure were some precious moments, guys. Yeah. Speaking of being bad at your job, I really need to come up with a catchphrase. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we gave you something to. <laughs> Something to yell at your friends about this week. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, I seriously, I, I'm serious about having a headache when we were having our Discord conversation. I was so, I was so unhappy. <laughs> Okay, no script. I'm just going to try and wing this. Uh, Don't forget about Facebook and uh, Twitter and um, Friendster. Is that still a thing? But mostly, don't forget about Patreon. Anyway, we love you. See you next week. Keep it real, dogs. It is a group of Antifa. How would those people... In the same way that a... Group of how do those in the exact Andy, same way that a neo-Nazi group is Andy. a group of fascists. <laughs>